you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Meanwhile, here's Gramatica. Romo holds. 19-yard field goal attempt. Oh, it is fumbled by Romo. And then Romo's going to run to the end zone. And he's going to get tackled by Jordan Babineau. Amazing. David. Football. Football David. The Dave Damashek <laughs> Football Program, available on Apple Podcasts and at NFL.com slash DDFP. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Number nine, Tony Romo. He figures to factor into the conversation upcoming here today on the DDFP. And hi and hello and welcome to the Dave Damashek Football Program. I hope all's well wherever you are. Here in Studio 66, I physically sit alone. However, thanks to technology of the 21st century looming over my left shoulder, not one but two fellas who jumped in on the social media or perhaps I invited them into the conversation because when I talk about quarterbacks in pro football, there's there there's just a small handful of fellas that I'll go to to tap into their wealth of knowledge and insight and uh, chief among them from CBS Sports, the host of Pick 6 and Beyond, one of our favorite guys in sports media, a fulsome head of hair um, here in summertime. It's our pal Will Brinson. What's happening with you? See, this is a clear early bias against the Philip Rivers guy. I will point out, though, that um, you know, the haircut, you got to do it right before the beach trip that's coming up with the in-laws in a few weeks. And if I may add to my own introduction, a, uh, a Shecky recipient. Ooh, look at that. See, that's what you call a trump card here. And uh, that will be something for our other guest today to overcome. As he defends, I assume, I don't know this for a fact, but I assume we can anticipate a lot of New York City, pro-New York City opinions coming from uh, from the guy from Sports Illustrated and Odd and Odd Sharks. It's uh, Nick Costas. What's happening with you, pal? Welcome to the DDFP. 
It is uh, it is a true honor to be on the program, Dave. A big time fan of yours, and it does look like Will's got like a goiter out of the side of his head there. Like, what is that tuft of hair you've got coming, like <laughs> cascading down some sort of like you have a tennis ball surgically implanted to the side of your head? Now, I will say, I am from New York, and I am a very pro New York, but I've killed the Giants more than anyone the last couple years here. So I do want that to be on record here that while I do have a man crush on Eli Manning, I have killed Eli and the Giants. All right, but that's uh, that's really not uh, something that's praiseworthy in my book. No, I mean, of course, you're, 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 if you praise a local team that stinks, then you're just a sucker, you know? When True. they demand, when coaches and GMs and organizations make that announcement, now more than ever, we need your loyalty. Like, no, you don't, listen, I, I'm, I'm a paying customer. That's, a, that's what you get out of me. Don't stink, and then I'll pay more attention to local, you. Local area man kills football team for winning eight games in two years. Congratulations on the... Uh, <laughs> no, or, 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 or trading Hall of Fame wide receivers for, you know, a bag of balls. That guy kind of sucked, too. Or taking a running back second overall. These are all bad things. Yeah. All right, we want to talk about, because one of the issues that came up last week is NFC East QBs of the 21st century. Uh, McNabb said that he's better than Troy Aikman, deserves in the Hall of Fame. We want to get in on all that. But before we do, let's very quickly then review what happened a little more than a month ago. Go now. My contention is Costas and, uh, and and Brinson is that the Giants really could be players in the NFC East, and who knows? Maybe they still will be in 2019. But if they would have merely done the exact same things that they did in free agency and then the draft save what they did with Daniel Jones. If instead they take Williams out of Bama and add him to what is already a much improved offensive line to help. I mean, Saquon Barkley, as I always say, is in his prime right now. It is not equivalent to a quarterback who needs a couple of years to really get to where to, to, to the peak of uh, physical and mental and all that kind of stuff. The uh, an NFL running back in the 21st century, fair or not, is in his prime the day he walks out onto the field physically. And I mean, you know, by the time he hits second contract, he's going to be a diminished version of himself. So make up, make up the offensive line, maybe get one of those edge rushers. And this Giants team would be fine with Eli in 2019. How say you, Costas? Um, I, I don't agree with that because Eli Manning's still the quarterback. And I think, look, I love Eli over the balance of his career. And I think Eli's a Hall of Famer. Will, you're making that face. I've been killing Eli for years now. Eli Manning absolutely stinks. And it doesn't mean he doesn't deserve a gold jacket. But the guy's terrible. Like, he had time to throw at points last year. He can't hit the broadside of a barn anymore. So, for me, like, look. I would have preferred them maybe to take Josh Allen with Josh Allen on the board here. But if Daniel Jones is good, none of it matters. None of Gettleman's, all of the faux pas make a difference as long as Daniel Jones is good. And yeah, like you can make the case that maybe you know, with the pass rusher, with the offensive lineman, that the Giants in 2019 could be better. The fact of the matter is, is that Eli Manning, I think, still stinks and the Giants will not do much of anything this year if he's the starting quarterback for the balance of the season, which I think most of us expect to be the case. Go ahead, Brinson. I, I mean, I agree. I think Eli is a uh, average quarterback for the duration of his career. I think he's a below average quarterback now. I do have <laughs> better than Nick thinks. I'm, I'm with you, Dave. I, I see so the the mixture. The, I'll tell you the mixture of the two teams. I see it's not a complete mirror of this by any means. He stole my take, by the way. Here, Dave. This is important. Will took my take here, and I know what he's about to say, and he stole it from me directly. This was my take, and he's laughing because he knows it's true. true. (laughs) I think the 2015 Carolina Panthers, um, and they they leaned on Cam a lot, but it was a team that was designed by Dave Gettleman, 
in terms of they wanted to run the ball effectively, play great defense, be stout on the interior of the defensive line, get pressure on you. I think the Giants' defensive line is going to be pretty good. I don't know about the rest of the defense. And then, yeah, look, I'll, Nick, Nick and I have talked about this, but the 2016 Cowboys, you'd be a poor man's version of that where you can run the ball effectively with Saquon Barkley, let Eli throw some slants and stuff like that, let uh, you know Sterling Shepard break some, some long plays, and maybe you lean on Saquon Barkley to keep the defense fresh. That's If you can pull off some amalgamation of the two teams, then maybe you can go on and win the division. I don't know that that's going to so win the division. What are you of nuts? course. How good do you think the division is? Who, I mean, who's some juggernaut looming in, uh, in the NFC East right now? The Eagles and Cowboys, I think, are clearly both better than the Giants. And the common denominator between those two teams that Will just mentioned, and I agree with him, it's bend but don't break defense and control the clock with the run game, right? But that Panthers team had Cam Newton. That Cowboys team had a mobile Doc Prescott, albeit in his rookie year. Eli Manning can't move. I'm confident. I don't think I could actually beat Eli Manning in a foot race because I'm not athletic, but Eli Eli ain't, ain't beating any defenders to the edge anytime soon. I agree with that. So why is Eli even there at this point? You know, and by the way, let me just throw in the other thing is, uh, I mean, obviously there are going to be some passing situations that arise, whether it's Jones or Eli. I mean, it just makes no sense. If you didn't think Eli was in a position to perhaps take you to the playoffs in 2019, then there is no reason to have him there. Then they should have moved on from Eli in this offseason if not prior to that but the guy who can salvage things offensively for them and make them more than just the one-dimensional Saquon attack is Evan Ingram if he play if, if he can finally stay healthy and be out there they have more than enough as, at the pass catcher spot and it and it turns me back to what I said already if they would have just gone after some uh, more help on the offensive line I think Eli he's the classic he is the number one um uh, personification of a guy if he is perfectly clean if he is able to stand back there for that extra beat he's fine in 2019 he's not you know he's not he's not a stud or anything but he'd be fine back there if you merely protected him no Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones is pretty mobile he's really mobile so you think Jay, so so bottom, so last thing on Daniel Jones is he going to get some play here in September or October Costa start with you I don't think in September or October I mean I think it's a good sign for the 2019 Giants if we don't see Daniel Jones until after Thanksgiving it'll mean that they're that they're in contention or, or somewhat in contention but I, I would be stunned look I'm on record saying the Giants should have drafted Sam Darnold number two last year they should have moved on from Eli Manning last year so I certainly right. think that they that he should shouldn't be the quarterback this year I would be disappointed it's kind of tough to gauge right because if Eli starts all 16 games kind of what's unspoken there is they're going to be in contention and as a Giants fan I would love to see that but also as a Giants fan I am have to be realistic enough to know that Eli's done and we just took a quarterback six overall and I did say we because that's, you know, I'm part of the team, that's of course. Fine. You are a part of the team and never apologize that around, the, at least on this show. Cost and get Daniel, get Daniel Jones in there. Let's yeah, go. you don't listen, but you never apologize for the we and us. You care much more about the Giants than Daniel Jones cares about the Giants. He's been <laughs> he's been there for five weeks. You've been there for your entire life. Who do you think cares yeah. more about what happens to the that's organization? No I mean, that, that, I love when players get on me for the we and us jazz. Yeah. Guess what? I was sitting in Three River Stadium. Where were you? Not born yet, friend. You know what I'm saying there, Brinson? I think the thing with Eli is what, how much of a factor is ownership playing in this whole quarterback situation? Like, are they trying to do 
Oh, I don't know what the Yankees do. Trot Eli around the whole country. Get the chair, parade him around like one of the great heroes of lore, like Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera. Have a little surprise waiting for him, like a little bowl of cheese when he gets to Wisconsin. Who knows? Maybe they're trying to do that. We'll have to wait and see. And maybe they force Dave Gettleman to take Daniel Jones because he's able to make, like, maybe this is a Westworld situation and they're just letting Eli leech onto Daniel Jones' body as a host and take over for him. I, I mean, I don't know. They look exactly like, I don't think he early on in the year because I think they want to give Eli that victory tour until things are just completely out of hand. I, well, it's not the NBA. I don't think Eli, if he were to announce this is my last season, it's going to be him going into visiting stadiums and getting rocking chairs from all his foes along the way. So it's a different thing entirely. They had their chance to move on a couple of times over when they benched him and Peabody. It was a, all right, there was a dust up. There was a little brush fire in New York City, but that was the time to move on. They, and then they had to go back. I, I'm with you that there is some PR element to it. Ooh, New York City did not like when we benched Eli, let's not do that again. You know, they and now two years. It later. was more like how it happened, though, and like the guy that did it, Ben McAdoo, who was not fit to lace up Eli Manning's, you know, cleats. Ben McAdoo, Ben McAdoo should have benched himself and resigned with that stupid haircut and his stupid you know, uh, uh, play call fades on the goal line. Enough Ben McAdoo. Like, that was what people were pissed at in New York was not so much that Eli was getting benched. It was the clown that did it. Ben McAdoo on his Well, way and also who it was for. It was also for Gino. Yeah, it should have been for Davis Webb. Like, if you're going to bench him, you know, put the young kid in. What's the point of putting Geno Smith in the game? Hey, by the way, before we take another step here, Eddie Spaghetti behind the glass is with Costas every step of the way. Is that right, Spaghetti, New York native? Uh, For the most part, I I will admit I was wrong. I I did not want to take Sam Darnold or uh, quarterback last year. Oh, you're not? Wait a second. This is breaking news. You now concede that you wish you would have taken Sam Darnold? No, no, no. I'm saying I did not want to. I I believe uh, I bought hype into that they could be kind of competitive last year, and I was wrong. So I, I will admit that. So you're not so you are conceding that you were wrong all this time. All the all this furious defense when I told you that it was a mistake and you're all oh, have you seen Saquon though? I'm like, well, yeah, no, but the, I see them losing what, every week. He's what, terrific. What fell apart was more like the offensive line being just god awful and stuff, but I think this year now I'm gonna buy into it again, is that the offensive line is a lot better. <laughs> It's a lot. I mean, O'Hara came on here himself and talked about how that Will Hernandez and Nate Solder last year got to a certain point where Hernandez was not making. Uh, he he learned the, the playbook more and was not making Solder look as bad as he was. Uh, Jalapio is healthy again. They signed Zeitler, which is humongous, and uh, they they just signed uh, Mike Remmers, who's going to move back from right guard to right tackle. So I think the offensive line actually is a, a sneaky, really, really strong part of the team this year. I, I appreciate that optimism. All right, that let's talk that, about. Like that was. And I'm not, I'm not knocking Eddie or, or Giant. I'm not saying this is Giants fan specific, but it was like, Eddie was like, listen, I want to admit I was wrong about thinking that this offensive line would be good. I'm probably going to talk myself back into it. And then he immediately talked himself back in. Yeah, I can see it going south. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this. And by the way, just one thing that I my my recurring theme since really January has been 
Poor Carson Wentz. Yes, the Eagles appear to be loaded, but it all hinges on 11. And that kid is under so much pressure right now. And he knows it. And all these predictions, I think that it sounds fine in May and June to talk about, like, this guy's an MVP candidate right now. Yes, he is. But that only ultimately heaps more pressure on him. And it doesn't really make much of a difference what he does in October. It's going to matter how who, who whether or not he wins the NFC East is one thing but what he does in january this year he has so much pressure on him to live up to nikki Foles. it's uh it's crazy and i i could absolutely see uh, some human some percentage of human beings crumbling under that pressure like mark say i mean that yeah when mark sanchez did when they brought tim tebow in some guys rise to the challenge other guys crumble from it i don't know what carson wentz is gonna do till we see it how about we how about we see carson wentz get to january right like He's got to play a full season. But and by the way, I mean, just to point out that the um, the guys in the the guys in the desert, they they actually have Carson Wentz as a top five MVP candidate because Brady and Breeze and all those guys have fallen so far back just because of how people perceive them at their age and all that. So Wentz is like, I mean, I, I, anyway, he's considered one of the top candidates without getting into specific. Who's gonna win? All right, you know what? Now I'm off track. Now I'm thinking about MVPs in June. Who's going to win the MVP in 2019? Completely fair to ask that in June. It's Ben Roethlisberger, and here's why. Love it. Uh, Love it. Uh, Love it. Uh, I think, look, Ben's going to, if, if he plays 16, he's going to, look, you see this stuff when he's doing this offseason. He's posting pictures, like, he's up in the, the leadership log cabin with all his teammates. <laughs> you know, like, putting out just how much leadership and teamwork we're, we're doing together. He is going to have a big season, a spite-filled season. The Steelers' offense with Juju and James Conner is going to be very good. Uh, I think Jalen Samuels is going to be a big part of that passing game as well. I think Vance McDonald has a big year. And as a result, people are going to look at it at the end of the year. Ben's going to have 4,000 passing yards. The Steelers are going to win the division. He's got 30 passing touchdowns. People are going to say he did it without Brown and Bell. That's value right there, baby. That's our MVP. I love the sentiment, and I do agree to the extent that Roethlisberger wins, however you want to measure that. It sounds like you are leaning in the three-way race after this breakup of Bell and, and Brown that Roethlisberger is going to look the best of the trio after the split, Brinson. The most attractive on Instagram, right? Like he's like he's he's the you know like when you go and you break up with somebody and you go and post pictures on Instagram and Facebook just to show how well you're doing and to make make <laughs> the person knows how poorly how how big a mistake they made leaving you. That's big venomous. All right, Costas, go ahead. MVP. I do want to. I love Will's pick of Ben Roethlisberger, by the way. And Dave, I think the Steelers are going to be nasty this year and nasty in a good way. I think they're absolutely going to win the AFC North. And everyone being so bullish on the Browns makes me feel even better about Pittsburgh winning the division. So huge year for Ben Roethlisberger. I hate to agree with Goiter Brinson, but but I kind of have to here. Um, I'm going to go a little chalk. Um, and I'm going to give you two quarterbacks. And this is like, I can't, like, Will gave you a better pick than me, more of a dark horse than I'll give, than, than, uh, than he gave, rather. Andrew Luck or Patrick Mahomes, I think it'll be one of those two guys. Mahomes is going to have another monster year, whether Tyreek's there or not. I think Nicole Hardman, he's not Tyreek Hill, but he has sort of that similar skill set. And you know Mahomes is going to put up big numbers. And I think Andrew Luck is absolutely due for a monster year. The Colts, in my eyes, are an 11-win football team. And I think Luck's going to be a monster this year. So I'd give you Luck or I'd give you Mahomes. But I do have to admit, 
I really do like Will's pick of Ben Roethlisberger, and I think this is a massive revenge FU season from Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. I Well, I mean, certainly that's the case, and I feel like this is kind of a Tomlin special. You know, he loves the platitudes, and no, I mean, everybody, any team that wins a title, no one believes in them outside their locker room. I don't know if you've heard, but I mean, for real— <laughs> That is a, that is actually sort of the case with Pittsburgh. They can actually say that and and mean it. Everybody's turned now. Nobody thinks we can do it anymore. The Browns are the favorites to win the division. The Browns have won eight games in the last three years. Like what the hell is happening? And, and can I throw this out there on the Browns? Like 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 the quotes that I've just emanating even like today as we tape this at a Browns camp as it concerns Duke Johnson. Freddie Kitchens quotes about Duke Johnson. Well, I'd like to win the lottery, so he's going to be a Cleveland Brown. Or what about what Baker said about Duke Johnson? Basically, like yeah, that's all in the past. But he wants to get on this train. He's got to get on this train. I can't imagine that there are a lot of veteran players that are going to be cool. Like Browns fans might really like that. But are there going to be a lot of players that like that attitude from I love Baker Mayfield. I think that might have been a misstep from Baker Mayfield. I mean, it definitely is. Of course. Listen, yes, I have a chip on my shoulder on behalf of Ben Roethlisberger. But imagine if Ben Roethlisberger just said that today. What would be the reaction? See, he hasn't changed. He's still a jerk. He's te- He still treats him like uh, everybody's his kid and all that kind of stuff. Yes, he, you know, Baker. Baker Mayfield is the leader of the team. I, I, but I'm with you completely that this was uh, this was a little bit too much out of the uh, the sophomore. Hey, and, and and Freddie Kitchens, I love Freddie Kitchens. I think he's awesome. I think he's going to be a good coach. Do we? I mean, you don't know that though. I mean, talk about all the big, he's good for us. He's good all for the us big mouths. He's never Freddie done Kitchens. anything. He's never coached a game in his life. But this is definitely the guy with not just talented but big ego guys. He's definitely the guy to to solve the riddle of that and get them into the postseason. My point is he did win the lottery. He's coaching the 2019. <laughs> he's not even an OC before. I know I, I I like I just like his general attitude and how he's different than a lot of coach speak that you hear. But I think those are the two big problems with the Browns this year. And I'm not sure how the hell we've got here. But I think when you look at you look at what Cleveland has, tons of skill position guys, right? Tons of defensive weapons on the front seven. Good cornerbacks, good young cornerbacks. Offensive line stinks. That's right. Problem. I mean, that's it's going to be a problem. And Freddie Kitchens is not going to be just sitting there managing the offense this year. He's going to be trying to manage the whole game. I'm not trying to compare him to Hugh at all, but that's what got Hugh Jackson in trouble. Is he was stretched way too thin, and he was trying to do everything. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't delegate yeah. any. That's what got Hugh in trouble. That's what got him in trouble. Was that? Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that patented hubris line. Listen, yeah, that I mean, look, I, Freddie Kitchens is great to the extent that I enjoy his homespun wisdom. I don't know what I, what he is a guaranteed. Well, he little, did you see what happened with Baker in the second half of the season? Yes, they completely blew up what Hugh had put on tape and the NFL defenses took a minute to adjust. By the way, when Baker and company faced halfway decent teams down the stretch, they got smoked by those teams. The idea that Baker Mayfield is an unsolvable riddle for defensive coordinators of the NFL is, is again, uh, perhaps uh, overly optimistic. We'll have to wait and see on that one. All right, let's talk some um, some 21st century QBs. I don't know if you know this, Costas, but me and uh, Brinson have some track record when it applies to NFC South QBs. Annually, we like to rank one through four how we're going to regard them by New Year's Day, and rarely do we get it correct. But we'll bravely 
uh, ignore the rear view mirror and look uh, look into the horizon now with you. Or actually, I guess this is rear view mirror stuff as well. Let's start with McNabb v. Eggman. Can we spend 20 seconds or less on this? Costas, McNabb is not as good as Eggman, we agree? McNabb is not as good as Aikman, okay. correct. I would take Troy Aikman over McNabb, but I have to say this, like, outside of maybe Troy Aikman, like, as a Giants fan, no quarterback, like, struck fear into my heart in the NFC East the way that Donovan McNabb did. Okay, so, I love with the it. the exception maybe of Aikman. So I, but I love Aikman, and Aikman's better than McNabb, but, like, the chasm between the two is not as, I, is not as huge as people think. That is, well, Eddie Spaghetti and plenty of New York fans and otherwise get, uh, get and Cowboys fans and, uh, yeah, Donovan McNabb, this this weird rewriting. Well, because everybody knows awesome, about McNabb. He was great. Everybody knows about the throw up on the field. And on one hand, I would say if that were on videotape and now people are pushing back at me that that didn't even actually happen. Have you? I don't know if that's uh, a conspiracy theory, but if it were on video, it would be much more damning to his career. But nevertheless, that combined with the, you know, the fact that he got chunky. Well, I mean, that's really committed. Yeah, but you know what is to, on video? To, the, the three the interceptions. Sponsorship is to actually. In that NFC Championship game. That is on video. Ricky Manning Jr. picking him off three times. That's on video. The choke against the Buccaneers. I agree. Is on video. Okay, but Skip Aikman. And what got uh, Eddie Spaghetti and, that, and then what led to, uh, to the back and forth between you guys and, uh, and beyond is my contention that I think Donovan McNabb might be better than Eli Manning. How say you, Brinson? Okay, really quickly, just on Aikman, I agree. I think it's a lot closer than people think. And uh, the, the, the weapons around Troy Aikman are second to none historically that's and, right and you know my friends uh you know sal and uh kevin hench and uh i remember once talking with uh with uh, bill simmons and those other two guys and they three all three of them i couldn't believe it all said well troy aikman doesn't belong in the hall of fame he's the most overrated quarterback in the hall of fame troy aikman is i get it completely and i'm the first to say played behind the best offensive line of all time and had emmett smith and michael irvin and novacek and beyond but still he won three super bowls there's just i mean you, uh, you're you're trying too hard if you're arguing against a guy who has three lombardis i mean I, it's as simple as that i'm with you that's why i don't bother trying to say that eli manning will not get into the Hall of Fame because that's why he will get into the Hall of Fame. Oh, shut up. God, he's already couching it. He already is couching it. We haven't even started yet, and he's couching his asinine, stupid, biased arguments. Of course he's going to get in. If his name was Eli Smith and he hadn't had made two big throws on the on the big stage, then people were like, ah, this guy's a, a rich man's Joe Flacco. Let's let's move on. But he's not. He's Eli Manning. <laughs> he's gonna, I, I, I think the gap between Donovan McNabb and Eli Manning is is not not that big. I mean, I think they're pretty similar. Well, players. you might even put him ahead. That, that's the thing. You might put Donovan ahead of him, but Donovan McNabb would surely, and Tony Romo too, would rather have Eli's career because, as you said, he won those two Lombardi trophies. It doesn't mean that he was the better NFL football player, though. I think I think uh, one. I, I would like to. I would like to look. I'm not going to sit here and just dog Eli. I think we talk about that. Yes, you are. No, we talk about that 2011 season. Where they won the Super Bowl and they were a nine and seventeen, they were okay. Eli was Eli really propped that team up. That was probably his, the best year of his professional career, at least from a statistical standpoint. And I think he's had moments and and stretches, maybe even a full year where he's been 
good or above average or very good. But, I mean, Eli Manning has never led the NFL in one meaningful statistical category. Who, who cares? Who cares that that's – I mean, no one cares that that's the case. No fans. Of course it matters, Costas. What are you talking about? That is the measure for most Hall of Famers. And, it, by the way, if you talk to Hall of Famers about it and you say, what's the measure of who deserves to get in here? They will say Rod Woodson's the first guy who floated this one. And I feel like it's kind of the collective um, uh, thought at this point is was this guy ever the best I I at yeah. his position for a year? Was he in the top two or three even? Eli Manning was, has never been, rightly, one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL. But, but you, but Will wants to throw out hypotheticals like if these things that all happened didn't happen then. What if Plaxico Burris didn't shoot himself in the leg in 2008? The Giants, and I'm sorry, Dave, because I know your Steelers won in 2008. The Giants were the best team in 2008, beat the Steelers in the regular season, and would have won the Super Bowl with a healthy non-bullet in the leg, Plaxico Burris. So how about that what if? And then we're talking three rings for Eli Manning instead of two. And, and I love Donovan McNabb. And by the way, I agree with Will. I don't think the gap between McNabb and Eli is that large. I think Donovan McNabb was awesome. I think you can make a case that McNabb is a Hall of Famer, but it's what I said on Twitter last week. You want to take a quarterback to beat the Redskins in October, you take Donovan McNabb. You want to take a quarterback to beat the Packers in January or Tom Brady and the Patriots in February, give me number 10. The, blue. the second Eli half, Manning. the second half of of your monologue there was better than the first half because <laughs> you're right about the you're right about the second chunk that you just said there. But you attack Brinson for his what ifing, and you just asserted that had Plexico not shot himself, it would it would then the Lombardi was theirs. They well, had, that, well, somebody saying, had to go though, and take it away from them. You can't say what Will said without also acknowledging what happened in 2008 because if well, that doesn't happen, the Giants were clearly the best team in football that year, right? But if you're gonna if you're gonna binge it, <laughs> I would like to see that Super Bowl. But go ahead. How about David Tyree doesn't make the helmet catch? I mean, like you know, and then and then and then what happens if I don't know? Like Rob Gronkowski catches that hail mary from Tom Brady, in or Wes Welker catches that pass, right? Right, exactly. There's a lot of what ifs when it comes to, and that's how football works. I mean, that's why uh, Sheck does the NFL or uh, in a, a you got it, you got it. The name, but you're doing that. You do the, the what if scenarios for the NFL, but which I love, by the way. I love the what ifs, and I've got a Philip Rivers what if that I want to give you at some point, Jack. Maybe today or some other time. Oh, I'd like to, to hear it. I'd like to hear that. As a matter of fact, I do want to jump to that one. So let's let's start out. I'm going to give you some. I'm going to give you three options, and we're going to win play show those. And then also, I'll give you this guy or that guy, and we'll make those decisions over these next few minutes here. Let's start off with that one. NFC East QBs of the 21st century. Win play show, not one season because the single best season, although Romo might have a case for having had the best individual season, but probably RG3 had the best you know, single season for any NFC East QB. Um, McNabb. Romo, Eli, I'll start with you, Brinson. Win, play, show. Duration of career. I'm talking about what? who's the best QB. That's okay. it. I, I would go Romo, win. <laughs> clown. That's fine. My list. It's a clown take. I'm sorry. It is. Eli, Eli place, and McNabb show. And by the way, got to give uh, Spaghetti credit for that RG3 take. His 2012 season was indeed a unicorn. That's Wait, so you think Romo's a Hall of nice. Famer then, Will, is what you're saying, right? You think Tony Romo's a Hall of Fame player? I think he is right there on the borderline of a guy who could get in the Hall of Fame. I don't think he will. 
and look, here's a, this is part of why McNabb won't get in either, is that there's a stigma attached to them. I think an incorrectly attached stigma to Tony Romo that he was a choker, when in reality, Tony Romo has more, as I, as I pointed out to you on Twitter, more uh, fourth quarter comebacks and game winning drives on a per start basis. Now, he got hurt a lot. He didn't play a lot. He suffered some rough injuries. Yeah, Eli also played 700,000 straight starts as well. That also happened. That's a, that's a, that's a great superpower to, to hang out and, and linger for a really long time. I'd rather have uh, the superpower of being a better quarterback, but that's just me. And I think Romo, at the height of his powers, was better than McNabb, I mean, better than Eli or McNabb ever were. And I would take Romo's best seasons and plug them in as better than Eli's best. I would too, but let me just say this to you, Brinson. It is the Elway syndrome that the gunslinger puts his team behind the eight ball and then has to play hero to dig them out of that hole that he primarily dug for the team over the course of the preceding 50 or 55 minutes, right? I mean, there's, there's something to be said for that. Well, I mean, yeah, but don't except Elway is better than Romo. <laughs> so it's like Elway was actually a Hall of Fame quarterback and Romo's not. Well, well I mean, you're, t- I mean, listen, Romo, Elway. Romo, as I always say, Romo didn't uh, at the height of his powers was not Elway. But the, the, the thing that makes Elway this uh, undeniable top five, top six quarterback of the Super Bowl era, the measure that most people would apply. Well, he got those two rings, which have nothing to do with him. It's the same as Peyton winning in 2015 with that Broncos defense. Rather, the thing that Elway did is he got those three bum Broncos teams to the Super Bowl in uh, in the 80s. Over And people say, well, who, who did he even have to beat in the AFC? The Oilers were good with Warren Moon and Bernie Kosar's Browns. Laugh all we want. There were good teams. It's not like it was a there. It was a, a, a bear and waste. It wasn't the uh, NBA Western Conference in the uh, in the early part of the 21st century that it was just an easy easy group to run over, you know. So anyway, go ahead there, Casas. You had something to say, or just give us your win play show. Um, yeah, the, 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 the Tony Romo thing being number like if you wanted to make the argument like Romo's last, Romo's the, the show right or place I don't the, the, the whatever the, the lingo is that we use there. Number one is Eli Manning because Eli's won two Super Bowls, so he's got to be number one. Like how, you can't make an argument that anyone else is number one because Eli's had the most success. The point of the whole damn thing is to win championships. Eli's got the most. In fact, of the three guys we're discussing, he's got two. They've got none. Eli's first, McNabb is second, Romo is third. All are great quarterbacks, but Eli is clearly the first, and then I would put McNabb over Tony Romo. And I love Tony Romo. I think Romo's criminally underrated, but you can't put him above McNabb, and you can't put him above Eli. You just criminally underrated him. (laughs) I I didn't. You're underrating the other two. The whole thing is out of whack. The thing I'll, I'll say to you that I that I, I say I think about four uh, times per episode these days is all this QB evaluation and who's a Hall of Famer is all thrown out of whack until we take uh, Bob Greasy's jacket away. That that's what <laughs> that's what screwed everything up. Like, well, he has two rings, and you got to put guys who have two rings. Well, then what about Plunkett? Like, Plunkett's not a Hall of Famer, and really, I get it. Eli is great, and he had those two runs, and the numbers are going to be hard to argue against with another year to build him up that much more, and pl- that combined with he vanquished the goat twice in the big game. But still, Eli Manning was never in the conversation to even forget top three. He was never for one year in the conversation for a top eight QB. I mean, that's that's a pretty big strike against the guy, isn't it? That you're going to give the gold jacket to. But if you take Bob Greasy's jacket away, now it allows you to not vote Eli in. 
can I just, I just want to, like, in all seriousness, like, biases aside and everything, I said this last week on Twitter, and I, this, I, candidly, like, I 100% mean this. Out of all the quarterbacks we've talked about, down by four, two minutes left, in the biggest spot imaginable, which quarterback would you guys want under center, leading your team, not for the game-tying field goal, but for the game-winning touchdown? Who would you rather have? Who would you want the most? Why is the team losing? Like, why, why is, is it losing because the, the quarterback threw a bunch of back-breaking interceptions earlier in the, or in the game? Or the, the offense was stagnated because the quarterback wasn't good enough to let Answer it? Answer the question, Brinson. Or was it a close game because the team had a great defense and they played a bunch of running? running All right, Costas. No, no more jive. Let's go. What is the answer to the question here? I, I will take Tony Romo, and I mean that. I said it on Twitter. I was <laughs> Take a clown. All right. Can I, can I tell you something? I'll break the tie for you. Well, actually, I want Spaghetti to weigh in here. I know what his answer is going to be. It's similar to, I mean, in terms of just who I want in the field, maybe picking a, a like kind of like what David Carr said, a street ball game, Rome or McNabb, probably McNabb because he's just a better physical specimen than them. He's more mobile. Uh, not that Tony wasn't earlier in his career, but kind of like what Costa said and why I got into it with Wes on Twitter, it was like the point of playing NFL football is to win games and to win championships. And kind of like what Brinson was saying about, you know, if Eli won one, and every game was close and like they had an awesome defense and they had an awesome running attack then it's like okay I get that Eli was kind of carried but he won twice and he it was really good in both of his playoff stretches and he didn't just beat whoever he beat the Patriots who were the best team of this generation this, I think that counts for something to win twice I agree. and to be MVP to win MVP twice also counts for a lot. I'm not rejecting the quality of the performances and people do sleep on Eli I know the Tyree catch and everything else but he does I mean they, they beat the New England Patriots in not one but two Super Bowls. And he, just, just out of curiosity, how many games above 500 is Mr. Winner Eli Manning for his career, this long, luxurious career of destiny? <laughs> the answer is two. He's two games above 500. That sucks. If the game, the purpose is to win games, then why do Eli's teams constantly end up with sub 500 records and bad seasons when he's he's been the one consistent factor the whole time? I'll tell, you, I'll tell you this about uh, about and th maybe this is a little too nuanced as we try to evaluate, you know, what's happened over 20 years here. But and I, I, whether it's fair or not, Eli, even as in the Big Apple, it's the capital of the world and everybody is looking at the Giants and everything else. Eli, you know, first overall pick and we know how it all went down and how he got to New York. All that still, for whatever reason, never added up to him being the guy who was in the white hot spotlight in the big games, At, not to the degree that Tony Romo was. And I've talked to a lot of quarterbacks about this. Kurt Warner is, is great on this subject. I believe in the curse of Sposta for a team and for an individual. When you're supposed to do it and everybody is looking at you, save us. You got to save us. Eli was never that guy. Romo had all that pressure. And I think it's a little overstated. Oh, there's no more pressure than being the quarterback of America's team. But it is real to some extent that if you're the Cowboys quarterback, that every and Tony Romo, based on the nature of his playing style, when the big, when the game came down to it everybody was looking at nine save us nine do it and more often than not as much as I used to like to laugh about him choking he did come through and I think by a whisker I think if it's my life on the line if it's the fate of the planet on the line down down four 
with three minutes to go, I think I'm going to go nine. I think I'm going to go well, nine. Yeah, well, Thanos wins then. Thanos wins if, if, if that's the case. And by the way, you know, the curse of supposed to that you just mentioned just yeah. now. Um, yeah, what about in 2006 when the Giants had that that, that season that ended with the, the playoff overtime loss to the Philadelphia Eagles and all the back page head, headlines wanted to fire Tom Coughlin and wanted to run Eli Manning out of town. And then week one, lose to the Dallas Cowboys. And remember, we thought Eli might be hurt and done for the season in that game. Week two, lose at home to Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers. And the sky is falling. And all the Giants did from that point forward was not lose one road game the rest of the season. Supposed to. Eli Manning, that Tiki Barber retired and trashed Eli Manning to the media before the 2007 season. So I disagree with that completely. Eli rose to the occasion in a major way in 2007. And by the way, won a Super Bowl. And by the way, Will wants to throw out the number two. Eli Manning, two games above 500 for his career. You know what? Number two matters more than that one. Lombardi trophies. Suck it, Brinson. Look, that's the the thing is like you can can present – this is how New York fans operate. It's no surprise. And it's you okay. hate I, New York. Just admit that you hate New York. Just get it out there that you hate New York because the Yankees own your Braves. And, be, and because you hate, because Eli Manning has upstaged your boy Rivers for the better part of two Is decades. that true, Just Brinson? Oh, no, I like New York. My point is that you can't have some <laughs> subtle, nuanced argument about Eli Manning's career with the Giants fan for more than 15 seconds for they scream, rings, rings. What are you talking about? Lombardi's. Lombardi's. You said he's Joe Flacco. I mean, that's Joe Flacco's argument is he rises to the occasion in the playoffs and has a Super Bowl. It's like, you know, that's why. Yeah. Yes. Right. I mean, Eli Manning had two great playoff runs, but if you look at the totality of Eli Manning's career, the only argument you have for him as great is that he had two great playoff runs thanks fueled in large part by really strong pass rush and defenses and that he never got hurt. Well, then you get into the philosophical debate, as you said uh, last week, Brinson, that still ultimately, as much as we can talk up Romo or McNabb or anybody else, but you know, Dan Marino would be an interesting guy to ask that question to whose career would you rather have yours or Eli Manning's? That would be, I'd love to hear the answer to that one. Um, because, because then it's, do you rather have the, the totality of the career or would you rather have those couple of shining moments it's a fine question um but okay let now let's now let's do but but is it true you hate new york though i love the city of new york, and the people of new york what about and the, the people you're you're cool with the people though i love it well no i don't like the people you hate New York sports because you are jealous because you're not from New York. And I'm not saying that to everyone i'm saying that specifically to will that will is jealous because he's not from new york and he I, can't root for the Yankees. And who's he can't root for, for who's more teams. Carolina than Will Brinson? He's he's. I don't think he pines to live somewhere else. I do he not. Does. I would. I would. I would not last long in New York. I will. I will he seems. He seems to enjoy watching <laughs> NC State sports. I don't think he's looking to move. Yeah. I would, look, I don't like the Yankees, but that's fine. That doesn't mean I have some bias against the Giants. I, I think that. I think my argument against Eli and the Eli uh, supporters, I'm not going to call you a rude name or anything, is pretty, yeah, similar, okay. is pretty similar to the argument that most other people make. Like, it's not that different. I've been making it for a long time. 
Okay, last thing I will say to validate Brinson's side of things is there in the 21st century, high-end QBs, there are very few examples of guys that uh, that are on consistent losers. If you're a, if you're a high-quality NFL QB, name for me the guy who is on – yeah, he's great individually, but the team, yeah, they go 6-10 and 10 a lot. There isn't one. Drew Brees went seven and nine, three straight seasons. Phil Rivers missed the playoffs for too long a stretch, probably. What about and- Romo? Nah, I mean, no, Romo's three, right. three straight years. The Cowboys had winning in games on Sunday night football. And I know Orton had the last one. They didn't win any of them. Fair. Okay. That's a fair point. That's fair pushback, I mean, Brinson. You got to give it to him. Romo's almost 30 games above 500 for his career. All right, but in the big spot, he came up lame, and that's a that's a fair knock to some oh, degree. I, I would one but, more but, thing. But you'll put, you put the fate of the planet in his hands, in Robo's <laughs> hands. <laughs> Listen, it's an imperfect solution no matter what. Now, yeah, let's go to... And resulting in the annihilation of the human race. You know who I want, mo- you know I want more than Eli or Romo in the big spot? Number seven, Ben Roethlisberger. Win, play, show, fair 2004 enough. quarterbacks. Ooh. This is perfect. Uh, this is ideal because I'm a Pittsburgh guy and the Giants wanted Ben Roethlisberger more than they wanted the other two guys. Eli, I mean, uh, the the San Diego Chargers wanted Eli and instead went with Phil Rivers and the and Bill Cower from NC State wanted Phil Rivers and wound up with Roethlisberger. We now know how it shook out uh, a decade and a half later. I'm going to start with you on this one, Costas. No, you know what? Before we get to this, because we each have our rooting interests, Eddie Spaghetti, you also have a rooting interest, win play show, the 2004 first-round QBs, leaving out J.P. Losman. I mean, Eli is the worst of the three in terms of what he could do on the field, but I get, but he automatically beats Rivers. <laughs> I think because that's he, the only thing that matters. Wins. But he, but he, that's you're going uh, by, not by blank resume. Oh, I don't Eli know. You just said very in terms well of may, I mean, stuff. Ben will probably beat him all time resume because Ben's a little bit younger and probably has more years than Eli left. So I guess Ben could be one and then Eli would be two just because they have the two Super Bowls and you put Rivers third. But in terms of talent, Eli would be third. Let me throw this one in here, fellas. Well, I want to hear your raw answer, but also what if, and I think the Colts, as you said, Costas, are going to be dynamite this year. And to me right now, if I have to make a pick, I'll take the Colts to get to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. But the Chargers are also loaded. And the sad irony, uh, sad irony would be if the thing that fails them this year is Phil Rivers finally hits the wall, which is a, a, a possibility. God, I hope so. It could happen. But what if the Chargers win the Super Bowl this year? If the Chargers win the Super Bowl, how does that disrupt, uh, you know, the the preceding 15 years? All right, Costas, do it as it stands right now through 15 full seasons. Win, play, show, 2004 QBs. Roethlisberger, one, Eli, two, Rivers, three. Hmm. Brinson, how say you? It is, I will say this. Uh, can, actually, can I, I think there's, I think there are uh, two different ways to look at this. <laughs> I think there's three different ways to look at it. Well, oh, we'll good. Say- well, yeah, there's four yeah, different add, add another one. You have three names, so you can work in each of them in no, your no, three no. scenarios here. I just think I think that if you looked at this based on Hall of Fame resume, mm-hmm. that Ben Roethlisberger is first, and it's by a pretty large margin. Um, I, you know, he's 144 and 69, right, in, in his career. That Never is, had a losing season. It's a bloodbath of the other guys. Now, he has he had a better supporting cast? Of course. Um, I think – 
if you're talking about who will get into the Hall of Fame oh, first. I mean, I do want to interrupt you, though, and say this, because I am here to, to vouch for seven. Roethlisberger, this thing that people have now moved on from is wait, the, the, the big knock is oh, he was terrible in those Super Bowls. He's lucky he had a good defense because he wouldn't have won. That, first of all, the first one, they don't get anywhere close to without number seven being the best player on the field against the Colts and then in Denver to get to that first Super Bowl against the, the Seahawks. Yes, he was crummy once he got there. Two, the other, the, the other ring that he got is owed to not the number one defense. Yes, obviously, they were in a position to, to go deep in the playoffs because they had the number one seed. But once they got into that postseason and into that Super Bowl, it was number seven um, behind a crummy, a bottom, I mean, a bottom 10 offensive line in the NFL throughout the entire season. And in fact, it went on for several years that that offensive line in Pittsburgh was crummy and Roethlisberger overcame that. How many quarterbacks, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, maybe in the 21st century can continually overcome not just a mediocre, but a subpar offensive line the way Roethlisberger did in the prime of his career, whether he had Santonio Holmes or not. What a, I mean, that is an unbelievable homer take. Like, I think Ben's the best because I think it's clear that Ben's the best. Like, I don't think there's any, I don't think you need to vouch for Ben Roethlisberger. I think I Ben out of these guys is, is clearly the best. Um, no, I'm saying Dave, that's a homer take from, from Damashek there. Why? I thought in 2008, Tom Brady tore his ACL in week one, and the, and the Steelers never would have gotten there if Brady had been healthy. And then, like I said, Plaxico Burris shot himself in the leg. The Giants beat the Steelers in the regular season. Giants would have won the Super Bowl. Sorry. So I don't even put, I don't, I don't even think that. That's a great argument. I just think Ben's the best because Ben's the best. Like if you've watched 15 years worth of these three guys, Roethlisberger's the best of the three. I don't even think it's close really either. All right. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know what, what's wrong about my take when, when Eli or Phil Rivers or any number of other guys wouldn't be able to come, overcome a crummy old line the way Roethlisberger did. But all right. Now, Brinson. Look, I'm, I'm not going to do anything silly. I'll just say Ben win. <laughs> Rivers played. <laughs> That's not going to make Costas happy. Yeah, of course not. Well, I mean, I'm not going to go. I'm he's gonna... got a Philip Rivers doll over his right shoulder. Like, of course, and he's an NC State fanboy, and he hates the fact that Eli has upstaged his boy for 15 years. I don't blame him. I'd hate him too. If you polled 100 reasonable, objective people who watch the NFL on a regular basis, 95 of them would tell you that Philip Rivers is a better quarterback than Eli Manning. Is he going to the Hall of Fame? He will, he'll get in the Hall of Fame, yes. Do you agree with that, Costas? All three of I these mean, guys? He's, he's going to get the, uh, Phil Rivers is going to get the sympathy vote. So, I mean, he'll probably go. Well, then that legitimately, you know what, though? That's the thing. You know, the, Jerome Bettis waited a little bit. Curtis, well, how long did Curtis Martin wait? Did he? He didn't go straight in, did he? It, and the the or TD definitely waited. Guys of a certain era, when you're playing the same position, obviously there's going to be a little bit of a backlog there. So the idea that we can just kiss these guys in, there's you know when the voters are, they're not going to sit down and say like, yep, Roethlisberger and Eli and Rivers. They better separate in when they retire, or else it's going to be tough to put all three of them in. And then once you get another season in and another quarterback retires like Aaron Rodgers, well he's going to go in before Phil Rivers does. It could well, get in the way of Eli and Rivers for a little bit. So that was sort of my point, Dave. It's like, if you think about it like this, let's say all three of those guys retired in the exact same year and there wasn't any of anybody else, no Rodgers or whoever else you want to deal with to, to Russell Wilson to, to backlog those guys. What would be the order that they would go in? And I think hmm. that the answer would be Ben, he would get in first, and then the next year Eli would get in, and then the next year Philip Rivers would get in, and Eli would get in. And I'm not dogging 
Eli here, but I think that Eli, because of the rings and because his last name is Manning, is going to carry more weight when it comes to the Hall of Fame votership. I would agree with you about, you know, listen, that there's more. By the way, my number one criterion, uh, 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 and I always think that the Cools, Mina Kimes, who uh, Brinson, you uh, and I like to kibitz with on the Twitter and otherwise, she's a big, oh, QB wins, who cares? Like, well, they give out the one trophy at the end. That's why they do the they do the season. What are we? Are, if if that isn't a valid thing to point to, then I I can't imagine what is. Why don't we just end the season around Christmas and celebrate everybody's numbers? In that case, I mean the reason that that's why they play the season to completion and give one person the trophy to hoist up above everybody else. So it does matter who wins the rings. Um, All right. I'm sorry. I had another point there, but I kind of lost my train of thought as I want to get in a couple other things here. If you're a below 500 quarterback. Oh, that was my point. That was what I was going to say. Fine that there are other measures. Dan Marino is better. I love when uh, dumb people love to, well, so, so Marino's not as good as Flacco or Trent Dilford. I mean, let's not be dumb. However, Phil Rivers, as I said, missed the playoffs for a long stretch. It's not like he's some consistent winner covering up the warts and all of his teams to the extent that he gets them into January. Huh? I mean, look, look, Rivers has gotten some rough. Look, I think that Rivers has had a rougher time than the other two guys in terms of organizational structure. I don't think anybody would question that. Now, he's also, he's hadn't, I mean, you know, he sat behind Breeze for a couple of years. And then, you know, he, he uh, you know, did not. Okay. But he also did, he also did have a top five all-time tight end. And he had a top eight or ten running back behind him. And he had a nice offensive line for a long time. But okay. Dave, can I, can I toss something out at you, Dave, here? I'd like Just you kind to. of, in defense of, actually, I kind of want to defend Phillip Rivers a little bit here. I still right. think Eli's better him but this is kind of the what if and like i've wanted like i go ahead oh yeah here we go i I love how much you love this stuff dave in all sincerity like i love how much you love it and i love this stuff the same way i posit and i have felt this from the day that it happened that if philip rivers and Ladanian tomlinson were both healthy in january of 2008 Mm -hmm. the chargers would have beaten the patriots in that afc championship game the undefeated patriots and played the giants in the super bowl and this would have been a completely different conversation because we would have gotten rivers against eli plus north turner would have beaten bill belichick in an afc championship game because that chargers team at full strength i think was better than that patriots team by the time that game rolled around, I, that AFC championship As it game. was with, um, ah, I can't think of his name. Who picked the ball off and fumbled it? McCree. Marlon McCray. I mean, yeah, there are two examples right there of uh, of games that they had won in January. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you about that and how we would regard uh, Phil Rivers would be that uh, would be very different. And by the way, the nails to go out there and play on the on the torn um, ligament is uh, is impressive stuff. Okay, some quick ones for you, real fast, before I let you guys go. Ben Roethlisberger. Now, I don't know what measure you want to apply. Is it last five minutes of a game of a big game? One game, the whole season, the whole career. Who do you like better? Ben Roethlisberger, Steve Young. I start with you, Costas. Steve Young. I think Steve Young is the most underrated quarterback in the history of the NFL, despite the fact that he's in the Hall of Fame. I think, you know, I've been watching football since 1990. Um, which is a great, great year to watch Giants won the Super Bowl religiously every Sunday since then, obsessively. Steve Young, I think a case could be made, is like one of the two or three best quarterbacks 
of the, the last 30 years. I think Steve Young, again, despite the fact that he's in the Hall of Fame, I think he's the most underrated quarterback yeah, in the history. But of the I, I, I'm not opposed to that. And Steve Mariucci, who knows the high-end QBs, both Montana and Young, and obviously Favre and everybody else from, uh, from Green Bay. And David Carr would tell you that Steve Young is a superior uh, quarterback to Joe Montana. There are people who, I, and Mooch says he'd rather have Steve Young over Joe Montana for a big game. That's that's a, a bold remark to make. But if your measure is in part that you come up lame in the big game, Steve Young demonstrably fell off over the course of his career in the postseason. Why? Because he lost to that unbelievable no, Cowboys because team he a fell number of times? Because he f- because he personally played worse than he typically did in in uh, November and December uh, compared to how he performed in January. If you can't sustain some, I, I understand you're going against better defenses, but if you can't come somewhere close to the standard that you've set, then you are failing your team. That's, I mean, that's it's the Barry Bonds syndrome. Like, get me to the World Series. No, you're the best player on our team. You have to hit in the in the uh, in the championship series as well. You don't get to take a round off. Yeah, Steve Young came up lame in some big spots in his career. Roethlisberger, how many times did he come up lame in January? Not very often. Ben likes to come up lame in a random Week 13 game against a Ford. That's right, against against bad teams on the road. That's where he comes up lame. <laughs> I mean, it's just weird how they do that every year. That might be a Mike Tomlin thing. At any rate, um, I think I would take Steve Young, too in terms of just the, the pure talent. But I think Steve Young is a great example, much like Carson Palmer. And I think this is why people would be hyped up for the Buccaneers and Jameis Winston, that coaching and situation does matter. Like Carson Palmer was, you know, was great for the Bengals and then fell off a cliff, but then he got back with Bruce Arians and he nearly won, you know, nearly won MVP and Cam not beating him out. And I think Steve Young's the same kind of case, right? Until he gets the opportunity to play for Bill Walsh and to, you know, he had to sit behind Montana for a while. Was he like 29 or 30 when he won that first Super Bowl? So that maybe that's part of why your play tails off a little bit because you don't take care of your body as much. I think at the end of the day, when if you sit down with the resume and, and blindly compare <laughs> Young, you would pick Ben's numbers and Ben's stats and Ben's career, but I think you, I would take uh, Steve Young in terms of the quarterback. All right, so be it. That's fine. People also forget that Roethlisberger, for the first half of his career, was uh, was a high end runner, a physical runner, a poor man's Cam Newton. Maybe that's a little bit extreme to say that because he. You know, I don't think it is. Twenty yards downfield, he wasn't extreme. he wasn't dangerous, but he would truck guys in the same way Cam Newton still does. Ben was a Ben was kind of a. I don't want to call him a unicorn because he was like more like a potato, but like he, you know, he was like Ben was a unique. He was he was a unique athlete in the NFL when he came along. No, can I, I? I remember Ben's bowl game, watching it my junior year at Fordham, and watching Ben of Miami of Ohio like pinballing off defenders and being like, "This is the guy I want the Giants to take." He really was like, to your point, Dave. He was an exceptional. How about that? I said runner. that yeah. that I, I definitely was on the record with that. I said Eli Manning, fine. Phil Rivers. I just I'm prejudiced against that weird throwing motion. Seeing him at NC State, I just didn't like it. I just didn't see how that could work in in Pittsburgh. In in big spots, and I always liked Roethlisberger. It's the eyeball test. I don't need all the the scouts to tell me what he did in the forty at, at the at the combine. Now, a couple more quickly. Derek Carr. This is for twenty nineteen. Derek Carr or Joe Flacco? Who do you want? Well, I gotta think. I have to stay true to my brand here, having been blocked by the entire Carr family. And uh, I'll take. <laughs> Wait, David blocked you too. Yeah, who doesn't like? David Carr blocked you. 
I'll have a talk with him. David and I are going to drive Derek and hopefully Antonio Brown up to from uh, from uh, Bakersfield up to uh, the East Bay for training camp in a in a month or two. So I'll I'll, I'll have a a good opportunity to have a long conversation. Maybe we'll surprise them and have you in the trunk and we'll (laughs) or maybe you can meet us at a rest stop somewhere like, whoa, Will Brinson. Hey, what are you doing here? Right. Right. You know what? Now that we're friends, let's unblock uh, our friend Will here. Right. I do. I do think that I would anticipate in 2019 that uh, Derek Carr will have better numbers than Joe Flacco. If that doesn't happen, then I would be concerned uh, about what might happen in the future at the, the oh, Oakland Raiders. Yeah, this this season is everything for Derek Carr. Who knows where what abyss he'll go into if he doesn't perform for the Raiders this season? It'll be interesting to see where he lands after this one. Um, go ahead, Costas. Do you want Derek um, Carr, Joe Flacco this season? I think Carr will have better numbers. I'd rather have Joe Flacco than Derek Carr. Carr's got that Jim Everett 1989 NFC Championship game kind of feel to him where as soon as pressure even gets remotely near him, he gets really skittish. It's kind of weird, and we saw it happen many times last year. And look, the Raiders' offensive line should be better here, assuming Colton Miller is not a spinning top again like he was last year. But I'd rather have Flacco. I think Flacco's tougher than Derek Carr. And I think Joe Flacco, you ready for it, Will Brinson? Joe Flacco is a winner. He is. He's, he Derek is the Carr. weirdest. He He has got to be the weirdest case study in a guy who – I mean, impossibly rises up against the two best teams that he has to see over the course of his career. Always plays well against the Patriots, always shows up in Heinz Field, and yet is is not capable of week in and week out beating bum teams to the extent that these coaching staffs keep coming in. Well, let's build it. Let's make a pa- let's let's be a 21st century offense by about week six, year after year. Oh yeah, we st- Joe Flacco is just not good enough to to go this way. We got to run the ball more. And yet when you know, he plays I, I, the good teams, he performs. I mentioned Eli Manning doesn't, you know, never led the league in any statistical category except interceptions. Joe Flacco, this is remarkable that he has played quarterback for literally 10 years. And he has, if you go to his PFR page, his football reference page, there's not one bold number. He has never led the league in anything. Interceptions, sacks, yards per attempt, passing attempts. Yeah, I, I got two bold numbers for you, Will Brenton, for Joe Flacco. 11 and 0. 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions on a run to a Super Bowl championship. Who cares about the other stuff? A Ravens fan. A Ravens fan should. I mean, how long long is that going to keep you warm? I think the Ravens fans largely moved on like, all right, that was a great run, but now it's getting too far in the rearview mirror. All right, speaking of that, Lamar Jackson or Andy Dalton for 2019. Costas, go. Oh, I actually think Andy Dalton has a chance to be decent this year, but um, I, I mean, I don't think you can you can pick Andy Dalton. There's too much unknown right now with the Bengals, and you kind of love what the Ravens did in the draft, right, with Justice Hill and Hollywood Brown and, and Boykin, all the speed that they're trying to put around Lamar Jackson. So if I had to take, like, the player himself, I'd probably take Andy Dalton, more of a proven commodity than Lamar Jackson, but I think you kind of have to factor situation into it also, right? So I guess you kind of yeah. have to take Lamar, but I think Dalton's a little underrated heading into this year. I kind of hear you, although they should have taken, the ben- the, the Bengals should have taken Lamar Jackson last year when he, when he was sitting there in the first round, although now we do see that the Ravens have kind of pigeonholed themselves. They're going to be down 10 points at the, at the half um, in multiple games this year, and it'll be interesting to see if Lamar Jackson and their philosophy can win out in second halves. Brinson, how say you? Uh, Lamar Jackson with Greg Roman. Andy Dalton, if Lamar Jackson doesn't have it. 
Okay. Interesting. Like that. Like that. And last one, and then we'll say our good nights. Ben Roethlisberger, Baker Mayfield for 2019, Brinson. That's a good one. That's a tough one. And I want you not sit. This is not sit. Well, you can do their two situations, but then flip them. Put Roethlisberger on that Browns team and Baker Mayfield on the Steelers. No, I mean, I, I, I'll take Big Ben. I mean, I, I think hmm. Ben's going to – I think he's going to have a huge year. I, look, I picked, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick him for MVP. I mean, he's, he's my MVP sleeper pick, but I'm just straight up going to pick him. And I think the Steelers are going to have a better year. I think the pressure and all the changes and the offensive line issues – I do worry a little bit about Mike Munchak leaving the Steelers. I that agree. Is the, that is the big concern for me in Pittsburgh. But I think all the all the pressure and expectations in Cleveland is going to be a bit much. I think Baker could take a little bit of a step back. I love Baker. He's a QB1 coming out of the draft last year. Um, but I'll take Ben this year as a uh, as a big, as, as Nick said, the big bleep you season. Um, I think Baker's probably got a chance to put up better numbers than Ben, just given the, the players around him. But who's going to win more games this season? Who's got a better chance of winning a Super Bowl? Who would I rather have? Down by four, not by three. With two minutes to go, Ben Roethlisberger, Baker Mayfield, give me number seven in black and gold. Ben Roethlisberger. Very interesting. Yeah, the Steelers don't have the depth that I'd like them to see, but if they can stay right, especially on that defensive front, as good as those three can be, if you watch the second half of the season last year, how good it and Hargrave and uh, and Hayward can be, they just don't have a lot backing them up. If they can stay relatively healthy, I'm kind of with you that the Steelers um, have a a great shot to win the AFC North. All right, dynamite stuff. Spaghetti, give it a review. Who won today? Uh, the Giants fans won. Oh, come on. <laughs> what it comes down to. I, I do have one question. I, I just, after hearing that, and I don't want to continue this for another half hour, I'm sure the guys are busy, but it's like, what? How long did we go? Did we go too long here? Uh, guess, we... guess, do you have a time you want to guess? Well, I just looked would... at the clock. It's way later than I thought yeah, it we went, was. We went an hour, two minutes. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry, fellas. I feel like a heel. Just after he no, I, I love talking football. It's all good. My, my question is just what are Giants slash Eli fans supposed to say or act? Like that's – and I guess Nick can't really answer this question because he's in the same boat as me. But it's like what are we supposed to say or do with a guy who's going to end up top 10 in passing yards and touchdowns and a guy who has two Super Bowl MVPs? What are we supposed to say and think about a guy who's had a su- successful career when ultimately the point of rooting for a team and being quarterback of a team is to win a championship so uh, that's what i just don't understand that's a that's a great question a very fair question i don't expect you to i mean like in the same vein that i expect you to to keep saying like this offensive line can be great this year and i expect nick to keep saying daniel jones is the truth this is happening baby dave gettleman's taking us down the promised path you have to do that that's fine fandom uh i i think that maybe i think the uh, New Yorker in you guys comes out a little more the the aggressive nature to maybe uh, sort of claw and scratch and defend Eli. Well, you could say yes, Eli has his faults and he's laid many a egg in the regular season. But gosh darn it, he wins a Super Bowl. Okay. That's all that matters. That's, all that matters. Right. that's really that's that, all that matters is that, the two Super Bowls. Sure, Nothing that's right. That, I totally agree with that too because you can get, make a guy like I don't know. Let's and I think he has a chance of winning one. But let's just say Andrew Luck, who was like tatted from the minute he was at Stanford, doesn't win a single ring and he has a great, very prolific passing career. It's like, well, he was great and probably will get in the Hall of Fame on pure stats or whatever, but it's like, when it comes down to his career wasn't really a success like like Eli's was because Eli won twice. That That's like my issue with like people who attack Eli's because like he did what you're supposed to do twice. And, and I, would, I would also agree, look, propping up Eli here a little bit, like I was in the stadium in that 2011 Super Bowl 
so on like up in the the auxiliary press box, I saw the throw to Manningham. Um, you know, I mean, like the throws Eli has made in these moments are exceptional, and he he does have that that clutchability gene. Maybe the same way that Derek Jeter did, also another overrated New York guy, but we don't need to get into that. <laughs> Jeter um, is overrated, by the way. I will agree with you on that. That Jeter's I'm a Yankee fan, and I'll say that. Uh, but I mean, I think that I think that that's one of the like the differences too, is that this isn't like a Trent Dilfer situation where Eli got rings because he was on a great team with a great defense. Now he was helped by a great defense, but Eli made some big boy throws in the moments and, and has had an above average career or an, you know, an average to above average career. Right? And so I like, I think for all the, you know, everybody gets worked up, but yes, Eli Manning has some championship moments and that's why we lend more credence to those rings because he made those throws when the moments counted like Flacco did. Well, and you know what? The voters are, as much as they like to take up residency <laughs> unnecessarily up on Mount Pius, you know, and, and look down. They're at the the worst. Rest. They love They're to the look down. They, they love to do that. But it does matter. And the voters are human beings at the end of it. And it does matter. The visceral memories. Why, it's the Lynn Swan argument. Well, Drew Pearson should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame. He was the best receiver of the 70s. But Lynn Swan is in the Hall of Fame because he made big plays that are that you that are iconic in the biggest spots of the sport. Eli Manning beat Tom Brady. He didn't win Super Bowls. He beat the New England Patriots twice. So he's got to go to the Hall of Fame, whether you like it or not. Then it gets into that philosophical argument, which is a little different with me to make it like baseball. If the Pittsburgh Pirates would win one or if the Kansas City Royals, as they did a few years ago, their fan base should at least be kept warm for the next quarter century by that one championship. But it's an uneven playing field in Major League Baseball. In football, it is egalitarian. It is uh, it, it is the it, the the stink of parity is going to ultimately the Patriots have have gotten in the way. They've done NFL the NFL a big favor in the 21st century because they have sort of obscured the parity that otherwise would exist here. You would see. When every team's number comes up, it will no longer feel that satisfying. It's the it's the uh, syndrome effect in the Incredibles. When everybody is super, no one is. You understand? If everybody starts winning, that Joe Flacco and Trent Dilfer must be the exceptions to the rule. If everybody gets theirs, and Nick Foles gets one, and oh, and, oh Alex Smith won one because they didn't yank him that season, and if he had one, it wouldn't feel as satisfying to hold up like that guy, Troy Aikman has three rings if everybody starts getting one it's going to be bad and that's my fear for the nfl once tom brady retires and, and don't forget that three of the rings that we're talking about two with eli and then one with nick Foles, were beating the patriots right, yeah, right. I mean, like so i mean it's it's this you're right this constant presence like if you took the losers of all those super bowls and gave andy Reid and mcnab one and gave cam newton and ron rivera one and you you know you hand one out to, to every team that lost to the patriots all of a sudden the 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 Super Bowl the value of a Super Bowl ring in the past 15 years changes dramatically. That's right. Is, is, is there a lazier argument, Dave, than the Trent Dilfer argument? That's like, well, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl, and the Ravens felt so bad about it that they dumped him for Elvis Gerback the following season. It's like Trent Dilfer didn't even start for the Ravens the year after he won. I hate that argument. Well, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl, so how hard could it be? And by the way, I hate that. By the way, history ignores was not terrible in in the back half of that uh, season, Trent Dilfer. He's not, by the way, a uh, bit of trivia for you guys to pass along. When people say, Trent Dilfer, worst quarterback to ever start a Super Bowl. No, no, it's the late David Woodley. 
in the Super Bowl seven in uh, seventeen against uh, against, against the Redskins. Against the Redskins, that's your worst starting quarterback in NFL history. Um, all right, good times, fellas. I hope it uh, we didn't keep you too long. One last thing, Costas, just admit, Mark Messier is the dirtiest legend in any sport ever, right? I, you know, I I don't know if I I sincerely don't know if I agree with that, and I'm totally cool if other people think that because he was a scumbag. He broke the curse. That, that may or may not be true, but he also won in 1994, so that, that did happen. All and right. he's not as good as Mario Lemieux, though. To be fair, that is just a fact. All right. Now, that I appreciate, and that's a note I think anyone with any sense can agree with. And he was also better than that other Rangers uh, center iceman who wore 99. Uh, that's a conversation. <laughs> Close, though. Close. I mean, all right, well, I'm not going to do it unless you guys want to settle in for another six hours. Then I'm in. You want to do six hours right now? You don't and, want and to? Way, it certainly helped that, that Lemieux won those Stanley Cups with a pretty good player next to him and Yaramir Yager and Kevin Stevens was pretty good, too. So it's not, oh, like those Penguins it. teams were not, it's not like those Penguins teams were not absolutely loaded. So let's not pretend that that wasn't the case. I mean, that's a, I, Brinson. I'm glad Brinson's shaking his head because I wouldn't want to spend the next six hours and at the end of it have Costas go like, you know what? You were right six hours ago, Dave. You know what? <laughs> I, I should have just listened to you. Now I'll never get those six hours back. Thank you, Brinson, for bringing some sense to the proceedings here. Spaghetti, you know I'm right, right? I'm just I'm, I'm staying out of this. I'll just stay positive. No more debating. I'm done with the New York sports debates. I need to take a break. <laughs> this wasn't about New York. This was about the greatest hockey player of all time. I, I'm not, again, just take the hint. I'm not going to get into it. I, don't, I might not agree. Oh, you're a big, you're a big uh, Edmonton Oilers fan, are you? You love that. So why is that an Oilers insult team? to say Lemieux is not as good as Wayne Gretzky? Like, Lemieux is probably number two. Because it is matters. It's the same reason that we're having any of these conversations. Of course, Eli Manning and Phil Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger are all great and rich. But, but that this thing when people who care about sports say, who cares about LeBron versus Michael Jordan? Like, that's the whole real. You know, that's what's fun about following sports is to have these conversations. And Lemieux is better than Gretzky. And, and if I just I'm not going to half ass it here. If you want to have a full discourse on it, let me know and we can have that conversation. I'm just not going to do it willy nilly here. And I'm certainly not going to do it while Will Brinson sits there <laughs> and tries to conjure an argument for I don't even know who uh, Ray uh, Ferraro. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, he's a big Brinson's a big Cam Ward guy. <laughs> well, with good reason, I guess. I like, yeah. I like hockey. I like. I'm a bandwagon hockey fan, and I'm not afraid to admit it. I was happy to see Jordan Stahl thriving down there this spring. All right, listen, Nick Costas, what a delight! I hope you'll come back. I hope we didn't hold on to you so long that uh, you'll uh, you'll regret ever, or, you, or you'll uh, turn us down if we offer again. And Will Brinson, as always, what a great pleasure to catch up with you. We'll talk to you. I hope in late um, August. I, yeah, late August, early September for our annual NFC South QB <laughs> rankings. <laughs> It'll be our fourth yeah. annual at this point. Gotta slap some egg on our face again. And uh, Will Brinson, of course, pick six, CBS Sports, follow him. He's one, he really is one of the great followers on Twitter, funny and insightful and uh, and so on and so forth. And, uh, and what's further, the hair, you know, it speaks for itself. Nick Costas, a pleasure to see you. Sports Illustrated and Odd Shark. Uh, let's do it again, fellas. Anytime, Dave. Would love to. There they go. Good argument there, Spaghetti, right? You enjoyed it? This was a great episode. All right. I hope uh, I hope you did, too, uh, out there. We'll be back with more Huey and Applesauce, I believe, with Maurice Jones-Drew 
who shall be the next person to sit in the hot seat and hear that I was right all along. I told you before and after that Super Bowl that Todd Gurley was never going to be right again. And another running back. Uh, it doesn't make me happy, though. That the Bills just took. Devin Singletary making an appearance, too, next uh, Thursday. Oh, I'm looking forward to that already. All right. Until then, it's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com.